Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! And welcome to another edition of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast for Monday, September 29th, 2014. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend and that this podcast will bring you some sort of entertainment on your Monday or whenever you may be listening. Coming up on today's show, I will be interviewing filmmaker Jack Thomas Smith, who directed the indie films Disorder and Infliction, so we're going to have a very fun show today. But first, there are a couple of things that I would like to discuss. First of all, if the sound quality for this intro is any different, I do apologize. My mixer is having issues, so I had to dust off the old Blue Yeti USB mic, but it served me well for Uh, the first year or so of my podcasting venture, so hopefully the audio difference isn't too noticeable, and hopefully we'll be back to our normal setup next week. Uh, I would also like to congratulate my boss, Adam Waldron, who I've had on the show several times. He uh, got married this past Saturday, and it was a really nice wedding. The weather held up. We had a little bit of a rain scare because the wedding was outdoors and there was, I think, an 80 or 90% chance of rain. So we were a little worried about it, but the weather held up. Uh, Wedding was fantastic. Reception was great. It was a lot of fun. So Adam and or Heather, if you are listening, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of your special day, and I wish you both nothing but the best uh, in your life together. And this is also going to be a kind of a bittersweet week for me because I've mentioned this several times during my intros, but this is my last week with the Blue Wahoos. Tuesday will be my last day. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, luckily, I've got some stuff in the works. Uh, got a lot of freelance work that I'm going to catch up on. I'm back at WSRE, our local PBS public television station at Pensacola State College, which luckily is minutes away from my apartment, so not too far of a drive. And also, I'll be working the Friday Night Rivals games, uh, which is local high school football broadcast on WFGX My 35. There's your uh, plug, WEAR Channel 3. So I'll have some stuff to, to keep me busy, but it's... It's been a lot of fun working with the Wahoos, and it's it's going to be weird not being at the stadium because it seems like I've been there every day this year. So it, it's going to be weird for sure, but I'm excited to see what the future holds. And finally, before we get to our guest this week, I would once again like to thank the Unicorn Wranglers for allowing me to use their song Twin Peaks from their upcoming album Murder Mystery Night for the official theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. So if you want to check them out, uh, if you want to hear some of their music, uh, find them online. Their website is unicornwranglers.com. You can find them on Twitter at uwranglers, and you can find them on Facebook. Just search for the Unicorn Wranglers. But I'll quit, uh, I'll quit blabbering. There's not really that much going on in the world of news and pop culture. So we'll get right into... Our interview for the week, like I said at the top of the show, it is with filmmaker Jack Thomas Smith, who 
reached out to me over the wonderful world of social media. Uh, he messaged me on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and asked if he could come on the show and talk about his film, Infliction. And, of course, I said yes. Uh, talking film is one of my favorite things to do, so I was more than happy to have him on the show, and we had a wonderful conversation, not just about his films, but films in general, films he grew up watching, uh, and even social media, because those that do a podcast or an indie film or, or something, a project that they're trying to do, social media is a wonderful way to promote it because it's free marketing. And so what if you blow up people's news feeds or their Twitter feed with it? You got to market it somehow. And what better way to do it than with a free way or a free medium to do it? I'm not sure exactly how you phrase that, but who knows? It's, it's late here when I'm doing this intro, so cut me a little bit of slack. But it was nice getting to know him. He actually founded his own production company, which is called Fox Trail Productions, and he gets to tell the meaning behind that. Uh, when I first saw the name, I was like, well, there's got to be an interesting story that goes along with that. So uh, we talk about that, uh, his film directing debut with Disorder, and then his film Infliction, which since this interview I have watched and I really enjoyed it. It's it's not so much a horror film. It's more like a psychological thriller, and it, it really makes you think about society. And I, I don't want to give away too much, but it really delves into a dark side of our society. So if you can find the film, which you there's several ways you can find it. You can find it at Walmart, uh, iTunes, Amazon. Uh, there's several ways that you can find it, but I would highly recommend uh, looking it up. It's pretty fantastic. And if you want to find out more about the film, you can follow them on Twitter at Infliction Tapes. That's I-N-F-L-I-C-T-I-O-N Tapes. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with filmmaker Jack Thomas Smith. And we are back on the Derek Diamond experience with my very special guest this week, writer and director, Mr. Jack Thomas Smith. Jack, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Derek. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. No problem. You you actually uh, surprised me. You're actually the first person that has asked me if you could come on the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I've, al I've always had to reach out to other people, and then I remember getting your... Uh, your Twitter message. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty cool. So I thank you for doing that. This is going to be fun. Cause I I'm, I'm a big film fan. Like I actually want to work in the film industry. So it'll okay. be, it'll be fun to, to talk to someone uh, that's actually, you know, in it. Sure. So sure. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I mean, yeah. And, and, and to, to kind of elaborate on what you just said, I, I mean, Twitter's been amazing. And, and when you make an independent film, I mean, nowadays it's all about social media. So, you know, it, it was great to connect with you on Twitter. And, you know, and, and, you know, anytime I see an opportunity to go on a show or do, you know, a website interview or whatever, I mean, you got to jump on it. It's the best way to market your film. Oh, absolutely. Social media has become a really uh, powerful tool because I, I don't, I don't know if you follow the, uh, 
the comic book industry, but uh, one of their characters, Deadpool, who was in a an X Men movie, uh, some test footage of that leaked online of like a potential solo movie, and yeah. it and it blew up all over the internet, <clears throat> and it became so popular that they that Twentieth Century Fox is now making a Deadpool movie. Oh, that's amazing! Okay, because of all the support it got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like like with Twitter. I mean, we for Infliction. We're running about 12 Twitter accounts to promote the film, and we've we've got about 50,000 combined followers now. And, I mean, it's amazing. You know, you, you direct tweet the trailer, direct tweet a clip from the film, you know, write to people, and it's just free marketing. It's free marketing. So, you know, it's, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, I miss video stores, but the beautiful thing about social media and, you know, and, and everything being online now is that you can direct tweet someone your trailer, the links where they can buy it or rent it, and it's all instant. It's all instant. I mean, I've, I've actually had that happen where, you know, I tweeted to someone and, and you know, hey, you know, Infliction can be bought at Walmart or iTunes or whatever, and then someone, like, tweeted right back, yep, just purchased it, you know? So it's uh, it's amazing. It really is. It's, uh, it's one of those things that was... I didn't think much of it when it first came out. I mean, I thought it was cool, but the fact that it's blown up as much as it has and that it's used as such a, a brilliant marketing tool is just great. Because like you said, it's free marketing. I agree. Yeah, it's it's free marketing. I mean, how you know how else can you just reach out directly to people? You know, and the thing is, is that I'm not I'm not even doing just the general tweets. I mean, you know how you do your general tweet on your uh, on your wall, let's say. Um, but I actually go right to each account and, and direct tweet them. I'm sure I did that with you, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and that's how you do it. I mean, that way it's, it's literally right there. You're, you're handing it right to each individual person, you know, information about the film, the trailer, the clip from the film. I mean, along the way I've, I've, I've angered some people, you know, but you know, when you're talking, you know, we've got 50,000 followers. Uh, <clears throat> Twitter has provided us with internal marketing numbers. Uh, year to date, we've had over a million views on all the accounts combined. Wow. Um, so, I mean, you know what, man? If you pissed off 20 or 30 people that send nasty comments to you, like stop spamming, I mean, I'm okay with that. Oh, absolutely. The more the more publicity, the better. I agree. Is, is the way I look at it. But uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, where are you from? Like, where did you where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Philadelphia, um, and then uh, from Philly, uh, my family relocated out to Michigan for a, a few years. We lived there for about three years um, on a small island called Grozeal. It's outside of Detroit. Um, it's you know right on the Detroit River and Lake Erie. Um, but then when I was about twelve years old, my father got a job transfer to New Jersey. Um, and I've pretty much been there ever since. So I, I kind of, you know, I consider myself from Jersey, you know, so, uh, you know, I live right now, probably about 40 minutes outside of New York city. That's awesome. I, I, I envy you for that. I've never got to visit the Northeast, but, uh, hopefully one day, but what, what is someone that's never seen the Northeast, like a New York or a New Jersey, how would you describe it? Well, I mean, New York, I I mean, to me, New York's the greatest city in the world. I mean, it's so I mean, I've heard people describe it as being electric. 
there's just a life in New York City that you're you're never going to see in any other city. I, I mean, it really is the city that never sleeps. I, it's amazing. I mean, you can get something to eat at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's it's and there's so much happening in New York, you know, and, and for me, you know, I need to be close to New York. You know, when you're in the film business, it's either New York or L.A. And uh, I'm just I'm more of a Northeast guy, man. I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's got that like, you know, when you see those films by Scorsese, you know, it's it's, yeah. it, it's that gritty, like real you know, like Sopranos, you know, and, and actually I, that's my neck of the woods, by the way, is the Sopranos. It's, I, I live in Northwest New Jersey and that's where the Sopranos took place. So, um, so that was definitely cool watching that cause that was in my neck of the woods. Um, but I, I just love that, that gritty feel about the Northeast, you know? So, you know, a lot of times what you see in the movies, it really, that really is the way it is. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Cause I, like you, I love those Scorsese movies that are set in like a, like a New York or movies that'll be set in like a Boston or a Jersey where it just has that gritty, real feeling to it. And I, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's a per, and even Philly, you know, I mean, Rocky, yeah, yeah, yeah. You now it's, it's, it's just, I, you know what it is with the Northeast is that, you know, for the most part, you know where you stand with people. I mean, they're they're rough. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, they're you know they're pretty blunt. They're they're always you know going ninety miles an hour because there's just so many people in the Northeast. It's almost like you're fighting for your little your your peace. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know where you stand with people, good or bad. And I I, I don't know. That's I've I've been here most of my life, so that's just kind of what I know. Right. But uh, growing up, what were some of your interests? Like, have you always been a fan of movies, like since you were a kid? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my passion. It's it's in my DNA. Um, I basically, uh, uh, when I when I realized that I wanted to make films, uh, I was eight years old. I mean, I I saw Star Wars at the theater and uh, and that was it. It just absolutely blew me away. And I knew from that moment on that that's what I wanted to do, that I wanted to make films. How crazy is that? I was eight years old and I saw that opening scene in Star Wars when the small ship went overhead, then the huge destroyer went overhead. And that was it. You know, I, I, I wanted to make movies. And then shortly after that, I read The Shining by Stephen King. And I knew at that time that I wanted to write. And I started writing a uh, horror novel when I was, you know, nine between the age of nine and twelve. I wrote a three hundred page novel. Uh, 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 it, it was, you know, a horror story, pretty crazy. Um, you know, you look back at it now, and it was, you know, it's written by a kid. But the fact that, you know, I'd completed a three hundred page novel, you know, when I was so young, it just, it, it was just, it, it was in me, man. I mean, it was in my DNA, and it was, it's just always been my passion to make films. So you wrote a 300-page novel when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get published or anything, but I did. Yeah, and it was it was funny. I'll tell you what the story is, uh, because if you like comics, you could probably appreciate this. Uh, back then, I was calling it, uh, it was called The Incubus, and mm -hmm. what the story was was that the, this boy was born, and um, <clears throat> he had the power within him to destroy hell. Um, so hell 
sent up their minions to try and kill this little boy before he could destroy them. So while that was happening, Heaven was sending down guardians to watch over him because they knew the power that was inside him. So essentially there was a war on Earth between Heaven and Hell all over this little boy. So... It was, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, for a nine-year-old kid to come up with that kind of a story, it was pretty wild. That's impressive. That's really, <laughs> really impressive. I couldn't come up with something like that at 28, so that's, that's, that's pretty impressive, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's funny because I've done other interviews, and I, I, I brought up the storyline, and, uh, you know, I, it's kind of got me thinking where I'm like, huh, maybe I should take a look at that and, you know, maybe uh, see what I can do with that now. Oh, absolutely. I think that'd be great. I mean, the, yeah. the, con- the concept is really cool. And I think that something like that could draw people in. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Seriously. And then with, you know, with the CGI now and, you know, the technology and. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe putting my uh, my brain at my age now, putting that, you know, taking the work of a nine-year-old and seeing what I can do now with it. it who knows? I mean, there might be something there. Yeah, absolutely. But when like, when did you become interested in, like, specifically the horror genre? Um, you know, and it, it was pr- right around that age also. Um, like I said, when I was about nine years old, I read The Shining by Stephen King. And I at that time also, I'd seen the original Dawn of the Dead. Um, mm-hmm. And that just, I mean, that to this day, it's my all-time favorite horror movie. Um, so it was around then, um, you know, even when I was little, I mean, you know, I was... I was always into like the Wolfman and Dracula and, you know, I had those models and stuff, you know, that you could put together. And, um, you know, I don't know if you remember those like snap on models, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had those of all the different universal monsters. Um, and I had stuff like that in my room. Um, and then, you know, as I got older into my, you know, teenage years, uh, a big John Carpenter guy, you know, I loved Halloween, uh, escape mm-hmm. from New York, the fog, you know, I can go on and on, uh, big Brian De Palma guy, you know, I, so I, Stephen King, George Romero, Brian De Palma, John Carpenter. I just, those, those were the guys that I was really into. And then, you know, you pepper in Texas chainsaw massacre, Friday, the 13th, all that, you know, I just, I'm a big fan of the late seventies, early eighties horror films. Um, I just, I think they were just such a perfect blend of, uh, suspense story, character development with, with gore. Oh, and I'm forgetting the thing, by the way, John Carpenter's. The oh thing. yeah. Great movie. That's a, that's a masterpiece. Um, yeah. so <clears throat> just, yeah, I mean that, that is when I knew, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, you know, especially horror, Um, And then, you know, when I was a teenager, my dad got me a Super 8 movie camera. So we started doing short films like horror films, comedy skits, you know, me, uh, you know, my brother, friends in the neighborhood. Uh, So, uh, yeah, it was cool, man. And so that was kind of, you know, when I started to learn and, and, and started to kind of figure it out. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when I first decided that <clears throat> film was what I wanted to do, and this is when I was still in school. I would, uh, I got a little handheld camera that that took mini DV tapes and would make short films with my friends, and they're they're great learning experiences. Of course, yeah, absolutely. I mean, back in my day, uh, you know, because I'm 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 a little older than you, you know, that was, you know, you still had movie cameras. 
years, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that was a good learning experience, honestly. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with learning on film. You know, you shoot it, you you process it, transfer it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a good learning experience, but now with digital, I mean, forget about it. There's, there's no going back. Oh no, no, there, the, the technology Mm -hmm. is implanted itself too much for it to completely go back to the old school way. Yeah. So, um, what you talked about some of your favorite horror movies. What are some of your least favorite? Um, I don't know. You know, I, uh, let me think. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm not a fan of the torture porn genre. I'm not, I, it's just not my cup of tea, man. It's not, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, Hey, let's take half naked girls and torture them. I just, it's not for me, you know? And I, you know, I, if people are into it, that's cool. Awesome. It's just, I don't know. That's just not for me. So it's, it's almost like that genre. I would say I'm just not into. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, uh, going back to some of the movies you mentioned, um, horror isn't, like I don't hate the genre, but it's never been my favorite. But sure. a lot of those movies that you named, I enjoy because it's not just about you know getting scared or the suspense. It's actually got a great story to it, and it's got good characters that you care about and you can follow throughout the course of you know an hour and a half or however long the movie is. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I think is missing from like more modern uh, horror films, like the mainstream I- horror films you see. I agree a hundred percent. If you notice when I, when I named off my favorite horror movies, I mean, what was it? 30 years ago? You know, I mean, I yeah. just, yeah. I mean, because now it's all about gore and it's all about, you know, it's gore and it's, it's, it's almost like dealing with people's limited attention spans too. It's like, you, you know, it's, it, 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 it's almost like gone are the days where you have that slow burn, you know, where it's like you, you slowly develop the story and you tell a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, and, and it's it's just hit them over the head right out of the gate, and then five minutes later hit them over the head again, and then five minutes later hit them over the head again, and it's just I don't know. It's it's like I want a story. I mean, look, I'm a big Walking Dead guy. I love The Walking Dead, and you know, one criticism that I always hear, you know, from people is, uh, you know, oh, it's boring, it's boring, and it's like there's too much story going on, and it's like, well. What are we supposed to do? You know, yeah, exactly. To watch a show for an hour where it's just zombies eating people and there's absolutely no story. I think, I think The Walking Dead is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and I, I think it's, you know, you, you love the characters. I mean, there's enough character development and story, and then they hit you over the head with suspense and gore. But then when they do hit you over the head with it. It's so much more intense because you're so connected to the characters. You know, I mean, I'll find myself screaming at the TV. No, no, not Daryl, not Daryl. You know, and it's, <laughs> right? It's and it's always Daryl, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, it's always Daryl. <laughs> I love it. If Daryl dies, we riot. You know, that's awesome. But I, that's why that show is so good because it just it's story and characters first, and then then the zombies. Yeah, I remember. I before that show started, I had heard of the comic book, but I had never read it. Right. And then uh, I hear this show called The Walking Dead is starting on AMC, and I'm like, you know, what is this? And I I saw the first teaser for it, and I was thinking, oh, it's just another uh, another reason to capitalize on zombies or something like that, because zombies sure. and vampires have been huge lately. But 
when I watched the first couple of episodes, I was like, wow, this is really good quality stuff. I, I agree. I mean, they, in, in my lifetime, I think I want to say there are two shows, two shows in my life that the opening episode, boom, I was hooked. And I, it was The Sopranos and The Walking Dead. Those were the only two shows where episode one, I was completely hooked. You know, most shows, it's like you got to watch them, get to know the characters. It's mm-hmm. almost like you slowly get into it. But those two shows in particular, that was it, opening, opening episode. You may scold me for this, but I've never seen an episode of The Sopranos before. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Not. You know what? If you ever get the time, you should. If you, um, it's it's interesting because uh, this was actually before James Gandolfini passed away. The Writers Guild uh, voted The Sopranos as the best written show in TV history. Um, wow. The writing of uh, the writing on it was brilliant, brilliant, and you. It just was such a good show, and and especially being that I'm from the area where the show took place, it was almost like I'd watch the show, and I'm like, yeah, I know that guy, I know that guy. You know, you just kind of meet people like that that were in the show just by being in this area, um, right? And and the characters were so iconic, you know, Paulie Walnuts and Sill and Chrissy and Tony, and it's like if you ever get a chance, watch it. You won't be disappointed. I'll definitely have to. It's, it's one of those shows that I've wanted to watch. It's just I've never had the opportunity to or you know made the time to do it. But I, I'll definitely have to check that out based off your yeah. recommendation. Absolutely, man. It's almost like each episode was almost like a movie. And it's, it's funny because we're talking about Walking Dead, Sopranos. Uh, Sopranos changed TV. I mean, it really did because, you know, you, you now have like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and, you know, and then you had Dexter and shows like that that have followed. But The Sopranos was the first of the kind where it was almost like cinematic, where, you know, it wasn't just, OK, we got three cameras in a studio like Friends or Seinfeld or, or shows like that. It became like a one hour movie, you know, where you went to these different locations and all the and it just had production value. It, it, like I said, it was like a one-hour movie every week when you watch Sopranos, and and now we've kind of taken that for granted with Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and all the shows that have since followed. So, so from that standpoint, in terms of television history and the production value, the progression, it, it you know, and, and I know you're saying you want to, you know, you you ultimately want to be a filmmaker and all that. You would definitely, uh, it would definitely benefit you to watch it. That's actually a good point. Like I, I've seen bits and pieces of The Sopranos, and when you mentioned that it influenced shows like a Dexter or a Breaking Bad, I can see that with like the, the cinematic quality of it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You'll get it. I'm, I'm telling you. You know what, Derek? You'll watch one episode and you'll be like, I get it. Okay, I get why people went crazy over this show. I, I look forward to it. Cool. I definitely look forward to it. So, how is it that you? got involved with the film industry like did you go to college for film or like how how exactly did that happen yeah actually i did not go to college um i actually am a high school dropout believe it or not i uh i was uh, i was a hellraiser when i was a kid got into a lot of trouble and uh um you know but i always had that passion for writing and filmmaking and all that um when i was uh, <clears throat> i'd say late teens early 20s i i wrote my first screenplay I uh, never went to college for it. I just went to the local library. This was before the Internet. I uh, just took out a book, How to Write Screenplays. 
Uh, so I kind of taught myself how to do it. Um, and then working at that at, at a video store when I was a teenager, I, I met this guy's name's Lee Estrada, <clears throat> and we're friends on Facebook to this day. You know, to this day we stay in touch. Um, but anyway, Lee was a customer at this video store, totally cool guy. And we, he used to come in and rent horror movies all the time. And we would talk about horror movies and, you know, the whole genre and all that. And <clears throat> I told Lee, I said, yeah, I'm working on a screenplay right now. So he said, all right, well, when you're done with it, you got to give a friend of mine a call. And, and he gave me the phone number for his friend who's, whose name is Ted Bohas. And Ted, you know, he's an indie horror guy. He's made a, a bunch of horror movies, you know, a Metamorphosis, Deadly Spawn, these you know, he lives in Jersey, uh, got theatrical releases on a couple of his films. Um, <clears throat> so when I was done with my first screenplay, I sent it to Ted. Uh, you know, I contacted it, sent it to him. Ted read it. He, he thought it was very well written. Um, but, you know, he said, hey, it's a little too big of a budget for what I normally do. Uh, but anyway, he had an idea for a smaller film uh, that he and I co-wrote together. And we raised the money for it. We raised $75,000. Uh, shot the whole film on that budget. It, it was called The Regenerated Man. Uh, and we turned around and sold the rights for double the investment. Um, so I that experience, I learned so much because I, I learned from Ted, you know, you know, not only what do you do on set. So so keep in mind, even though I co-wrote the script with him and I helped raise the financing, when I got on set, I didn't stand there with my arms folded trying to play big shot producer. I didn't know a damn thing about how a set worked, the fun, how it functioned. So I held the boom, you know, so I, I did the boom up through the whole shoot. Uh, mm. I wanted to learn what everyone did, art department, gaffer, grip, best boy. I wanted to learn what everyone did from the bottom up. Um, <clears throat> so it was a great learning experience. And then the other thing that I learned from Ted was the business side, how to put together a business plan, a budget put together proposals for investors, how you structure a deal offer to investors. Uh, so I was, I was very young and I learned uh, how to do all this. And uh, from there, after Regenerated Man, um, I did, I produced a film with John Russo, uh, who co-produced and wrote the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, so, you know, I, I raised the financing for that. Um, you know, John wrote the screenplay. It was called Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. It was a guy in a Santa Claus costume hacking people up. Um, so yeah, John wrote it, uh, directed it. I raised the financing for it, produced it. And, you know, same thing. We got a distribution deal and, uh, you know, so yeah, by the time I was in my mid to late twenties, I'd already produced two feature films at that point. It was just kind of it was, it's crazy. It kind of all happened by talking to a guy at a local video store about horror movies. It's crazy how things like that work out <laughs> by the know, most isn't it? <laughs> smallest thing. Um, if you don't mind me asking, because uh, you know now you hear about Kickstarter and GoFundMe and all the different <clears throat> ways that filmmakers can raise uh, money for their films. How did you guys do it back then before there was anything like that? I mean, and, and honestly, I don't even I've never used Kickstarter or GoFundMe. So I'm honestly not even I, I, I don't know enough about it to even like comment on it. Um, but back then it was, you know, it was networking. It was networking. And that's kind of how I still do it to this day. It's all about networking. It's knowing people, building up, you know, building relationships with people, you know, hopefully knowing people that have some money that they can put into a film. 
Uh, but a lot of it's relationships, man. I mean, it's, you know, cause the thing is, is okay. If you're going to invest money into a restaurant, let's say, um, it's brick and mortar. I mean, there's, there's something tangible there, you know, it's like, okay, I put the money in, here's our restaurant. This is how much money we get. When you put money into a film, there's nothing tangible there. I mean, it's, it's okay. If the film goes belly up, what do you do? You know, it's, it, it's not like if a restaurant goes belly up, you could sell the ovens, you can sell tables, you can sell the supplies and get some of it back. But with a movie, you're, you're almost investing in the person making the film. So, mm-hmm. It's all about relationships and building that trust. And then, you know, and now for me, I'm at a point now where I have a track record, which helps, you know. Um, but that first film, it's it's like, you know, giving someone money and it's like, you know, hey, what have you ever done before? Well, nothing. You know, I mean, that's tough. That's that's really that it's hard to break in. Yeah, I the way you describe it, I, I can imagine. So for sure. Yeah. But um, then you move on to directing um and your first film you directed was disorder correct correct yeah that was the first one i i wrote it directed it and produced it um and that that one was my baby i mean uh essentially you know i learned a lot from ted learned a lot from john russo i mean keep in mind john and george romero they were the guys that did night of the living dead they were like the grandfathers they were the the founders of that true rugged indie type of filmmaking. Um, and the one thing that I learned from John was that you don't need to have a hundred people on a film set. Um, you just, you know, you have to hit your, your essentials, uh, and whatever you can afford. Then basically the guy, you know, making the film, you know, me, um, you got to pick up the slack, you know? And, and so with Disorder, I mean, it was a low-budget film. We did it for about $180,000. I had like five or six guys in my crew, um, mm-hmm. and it was a 61-day shoot. Uh, so we were able to pull off 61 days because we had such a small crew. We weren't you know, just bleeding money on payroll. Um, so we shot that in the Poconos in Pennsylvania and, you know, I got very lucky with it. It uh, was uh, distributed uh, on DVD. Uh, in the United States by Universal, um, and then Warner Brothers released it on video demand and pay per view. Uh, so it was really cool, man. I mean, this this indie film that we shot in the Poconos, in, you know, rural Pennsylvania, no major stars. Uh, I was in every Walmart in the country, every Hollywood video, every movie gallery. You know, Netflix, Blockbuster had it in certain locations. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a trip to walk into a Walmart and there's your film sitting there on the new release shelf. Oh, I can imagine that. That just sounds fantastic. And, uh, was it around that same time that you started your, uh, your own production company? <clears throat> Correct. Yeah, that was the, the time. Um, essentially what I did for disorder, um, <clears throat> was, well, first of all, I created my own production company, which is Fox Trail Productions. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's my company. I mean, that oversees everything that I do. And I use Fox trail productions for infliction as well. <clears throat> but what you do is for each individual project, um, you create a separate LLC. So in mm. other words, every project is its own en- entity. So for disorder, I disorder films, LLC for infliction. I have infliction films, LLC. The significance of that is, is that you got different people involved with different projects. So even though Fox trail productions is my company and served as the production company of both films, 
Um, the LLC kind of served as the separate business entity for each individual film. Gotcha. And whenever, uh, whenever I read about that, the first thing that popped in my mind that I wanted to ask you is how did you come up with the name Fox Trail Productions? <clears throat> that was actually the neighborhood that I grew up in in Sparta, New Jersey. It was the Fox Trail Development. Uh, so that was kind of where I started, you know, uh, uh, doing the short horror films with all my friends and my brother and, you know, neighbors. And so in a lot of ways, that was kind of where my filmmaking started was in the Fox trail development in Sparta, New Jersey. So, you know, to me, it was the, uh, an appropriate name for my company. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I have one that I use like for my my freelance work that I do because I also film like weddings and I do local commercials and things like that and it's it's called Untitled Film Projects because one working title productions is already taken and I was mad mm-hmm. when I found that out <laughs> but uh when I was working on a short film I hadn't come up with a title for it yet so I just wrote on the slate Untitled Film Project and this is one of the things I was just doing with a bunch of friends so I noticed it and I was like, well, working titles taken, but untitled film projects doesn't sound that bad. So that's awesome. That's, that's man. I, I, actually, I love that. That's great. <laughs> I, no, I, one, I, no one has that. Cause that's such a great name. Yeah. Luckily it was not, uh, it was not taken. So I was cool. able to jump on that. So, um, after disorder, is that when you moved on into infliction? Yeah. um, After disorder, well, what happened was uh, I kind of went through development hell on on my next project, um, uh, which is called In the Dark. Uh, What happened was after disorder, you know, I I got involved with uh, an investor for for my next feature in the dark. Um, You know, I had a financial commitment on the film. Uh, We had a major studio involved. Uh, You know, they were making me rewrite the script over and over and over. Um, and then what happened was we had that big crash in 08 uh, when all the financial uh, markets went, you know, went to right. hell and back. Um, <clears throat> and essentially, my investor took a major bath. And so I, I lost my funding, uh, you know, and, and believe me, I wasn't the only one. I mean, the Hollywood got decimated by that crash. I mean, so many productions were put on hold and fell through. I mean, major productions at that time. So believe me, I was, I was small peanuts in the whole scheme of things. Um, but what happened was, yeah, I, I literally, you know, I invested, got about two or three years of my life into getting that project off the ground, just to have it completely fall through because of the crash. Um, so what happened was, you know, after, you know, after I lost that investor, um, I tried to pick up the pieces, tried to go out and get other investors or other uh, funding sources for the film. And just people were so decimated at that time. You know, I was like, all right, you know what? I could spin my wheels for the next five years on this project. So what happened was I then wrote Infliction because I knew I could do it small enough that I could pull the money together through my own sources, being friends or family or just people that I knew, uh, And essentially, that's what happened. So I I wrote the screenplay for Infliction, and I was able to pull together the the, uh, financing, and I put it together pretty quickly. Um, We started production in, uh, uh, started pre-production in July of 2011. Excuse me, we shot in October of 11. 
Um, pretty much spent all of 2012 working on post between editing, sound design, color correction, uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, then in 2013, uh, you know, I signed with the same agent who got me my distribution deal uh, for Disorder. Uh, and by the end of 2013, we secured distribution for Infliction with, uh, with Virgil Films and Entertainment. So, and they're the same company that distributed Super Size Me. Uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of the progression of uh, Infliction leading up to the, uh, to the marketing I've been doing all of this year. And for those that may not know, uh, what is Infliction about? <clears throat> the way I describe Infliction is it's a disturbing assembled footage film uh, that documents a murder spree committed by two brothers in North Carolina in 2011 and the horrific truth behind their actions. It's, it's a gritty film, very brutal. Um, <clears throat> like I said earlier, it is not torture porn. I'm not a fan. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very character driven, very story driven. It has horror elements. Uh, and I'm not giving away too much by saying that it, it basically deals with the long-term effects of child abuse, um, and the empowerment of the victims over their abusers. So, uh, infliction's pretty heavy stuff. Um, it, it's funny because, uh, when I signed the deal with, with Virgil, um, we were talking, you know, do we market this as a horror film? Is it a thriller? Is it a drama? Uh, Virgil decided to market it as a horror because they felt, you know, with that type of genre, you have such a built in audience. Um, but I've recently signed with a foreign sales agent. Uh, the company is Cardinal XD. Um, and they're actually taking infliction now to all the major markets, you know, Toronto, Sundance, AFM, Berlin, Cannes, uh, to sell it internationally. Uh, their feeling is that for international markets, it should be marketed more as a psychodrama, you know, like a psychological thriller slash drama, mm -hmm. uh, which really is what infliction is. I mean, I, I really do think that that's kind of the correct genre for the film. Um, how would you describe the experience from making Infliction compared to Disorder? Because since Disorder was your uh, first film you directed, I can imagine that with Infliction, you kind of had more of an idea of what to do going in because it wasn't your first time directing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Infliction was a way, way smoother experience than Disorder. Um, I mean, but with that being said, you always have your challenges. Right. Um, you know, I mean, God, I heard Steven Spielberg in an interview one time say that he learned something new with every film. So there you go. I mean, that's the best there is. So so who am I, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you do you do learn something with, with every film. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, Disorder was... I mean, it was a 61-day shoot. We were constantly battling weather or something. And, I mean, we were joking that it was almost like the apocalypse now of indie films, you know? I mean, yeah. what indie films shoot 61 days, you know? I mean, it was insane, but it's the truth. I mean, it really, we really did shoot that many days. Uh, with Infliction, it was a 25-day shoot. It just, we were hitting on all cylinders with it. Um, and digital also helps a lot, man. I mean, with Disorder, we shot that on Super 16. So you did have that, you know, you got to send it out, get it processed, transferred. 
uh, you know, watch your dailies. And if things are screwed up, you got to go back and reshoot certain things. But with Infliction, it's literally, you know, with digital, you shoot it, you watch it, looks good, let's move on, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so there was a big difference in terms of the technology, which also uh, helped the speed, uh, you know, of shooting it. And then also, you know, from, you know, it's like with anything, when you do something the first time, you, you have your growing pains, you know, you, you'll make mistakes, you'll learn from them. And, and Infliction, you know, it had the benefit of, of me learning from a lot of things I did right or wrong on, on Disorder. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You uh, you mentioned that you would describe it as an assembled footage film. What <clears throat> would you say is the difference between found footage and assembled footage? Well, assembled footage is kind of a phrase that we've started with this film because I, a couple things. First of all, <clears throat> found footage, it, it, to me, found footage implies almost like with Blair Witch that something you know these people didn't intend what what the end result was of the footage you know Mm -hmm. they were shooting it something happened you know they they disappeared and you quote unquote found the footage you know it's found footage um with assembled footage in terms of how it applies to infliction um the brothers are documenting this for a reason there's a reason why they're shooting it it's a specific reason that they want people to see this so it's almost like a documentary that they're they're documenting their actions so it's in other words it's not accidental um <clears throat> and when i started writing infliction um here's the thing i didn't set out to do a quote unquote found footage film or assembled footage film um the story dictated that that's how i would shoot it and that's the one thing that drives me nuts with the found footage genre is that you know you see you know, people being chased by a monster or a ghost or something. And what's your, what are your, what are, what are your feelings? It's put down the damn camera and run, you know? Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to do that with infliction. I didn't want to just have the camera going for the sheer sake of having the camera go. And it didn't make sense. So right out of the gate, you know, the, the one, the older brother, you know, he says to his younger brother, I want to document everything. So in their car, you see that they've got four cameras rigged up. Um, the younger brother has a camera on at all times when they go into some of their victims homes, um, they, they rig up a camera on a tripod while the younger brother has a handheld. So there's a specific reason why they're shooting everything. And it, it ties in to it, 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 the cameras are just important as the reasons behind why they're doing what they're doing. That's awesome that you made sure to explain that because like you said with found footage it's just like someone happens to have a camera when all of this stuff happens but actually having a reason i think is great because i personally love little explanations like that like it doesn't have to be too extremely detailed yeah. but when when some things like that are explained i i really do appreciate it because you're not insulting the audience's intelligence excuse me yeah, no, no. And, and <clears throat> that's the thing is infliction as it plays out, you find out why they're documenting this. Why? I mean, there is a specific reason and it ties into their actions. So it makes sense. And that's the thing that drives me crazy. Like I said, is if it doesn't make sense, then to me, you lose the audience. Yeah, that that's a big thing on me is not to not to insult the audience's intelligence. So exactly. I, I think that's great. Um, how has infliction been received 
so far since it's been out? I got to be honest with you. I mean, thank God most of the reviews have been really good. I mean, we've gotten a couple of bad ones. Um, and essentially, and it's, it ties into what we were talking about earlier, a couple of the bad ones that we got, um, it's because people went in thinking they were going to see a torture porn film. Uh, like one, one review that I read, which was a, it destroyed the film, uh, but, but let me tell you what the guy said. Um, he basically said, it's not a horror film, it's a drama, and I wanted them to stop talking and start stabbing each other. Okay. And he threw a couple F words in there too. So I read that and I'm like, okay, this guy's a critic that I will, will definitely listen to on future <laughs> films, you know? Um, so th I think what's happened is, is your true like splatter horror websites when they're watching this, they're going in thinking that they're going to see like a, you know, a splatter flick, a torture porn film. And then all of a sudden they're watching this character driven story driven, you know, psychological thriller slash drama with horror elements to it. And it's, it's probably not what they're used to seeing or what they like seeing. Um, but with that being said, I mean, that it's just, so, just a, a couple of bad reviews we've gotten overwhelmingly. Um, we've gotten really, really good reviews on this. Um, you know, a lot of the critics are like, you know, I went in thinking I was going to see this type of film and then, whoa, was I surprised by what I saw. So um, and then even more, more important, though, are the, the people on social media that have been seeing it. I mean, it's it's great on Twitter. I mean, people are like, oh, just watch the film. I loved it. And then they'll send a photo of themselves holding up a copy of the DVD, you know, and um, and that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. And and it, it's funny because we've been keeping um, a spreadsheet every month about the Twitter accounts, how they're growing. And so that way, every month I can gauge, you know, how many followers we, we add each month, how many tweets we send out, how many views we get. And <clears throat> Derek, I'll tell you, man, it's like every month it seems like we're getting more and more followers, more and more tweets, you know, more and more views. So, uh you know, hey, if I mean, if this thing can take on some sort of a cult, you know, uh, status, some sort of a cult life, I, I would be happy as can be. Oh, some of those cult things are the best. I agree. It, it's great. No, but that's that's great. That's really, really great. And that, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, social media being as powerful as it is now. So that's awesome. Oh, it's a lifeline. I mean, it's 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 a lifeline. And and I mean, it's, it's great because you can connect directly with people, you know, fans, people interested in the film. And then also from a marketing standpoint, you know, like, like I said, I can meet up with, you know, people like you. I mean, you and I would have never connected. You know, if I didn't come across your account on Twitter and then shoot you a, a direct message and, hey, you know, would you be interested in having me on your show? You know, without Twitter, we would have never connected. Yeah, that is true. That's very, very true. But uh, are there any special uh, screenings or a theatrical release of Infliction coming up anytime soon? Yeah, we um, we started in March. Um, we started doing select screenings across the country. I mean, we've been in New York, Buff uh, New York City, Buffalo, Charlotte, Norfolk, Virginia. We've been in Pittsburgh, all over Jersey, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's 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 been great, man. I mean, we've been kind of you know all over the place with it. Um, <clears throat> Infliction was released nationwide on DVD, uh, video on demand and digital HD on July 1st. Uh, but we're continuing the screenings, uh, because 
it just helps. It, it keeps giving attention to the film and press. And um, so we do have a bunch of screenings coming up. We've got one uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania on October 3rd. We're going to be at the PA Phantom Fest. Um, this one's cool. October 24th and October 25th, we're, we're going to be screening both nights excuse me, at the Chiller Horror Convention in Parsippany, New Jersey. That's a huge one. Um, then after that, we're going to be in uh, Old Bridge, New Jersey. We've got a screening there to try and help uh, relief efforts for, for victims of the Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got, uh, we're going to be part of a film showcase in Lake Opakong, New Jersey. It's called the Horror Happens Film Showcase. Uh, We're going to be at the Days of the Dead Horror Convention in Chicago doing a screening there in November. Um, And then we're going to wrap up in December. Uh, We're going to be at the Walker Stalker Con at the Meadowlands in New Jersey, uh, uh, December 14th, I want to say. We haven't locked down the date yet. Um, And then next year, we're already starting to book screenings. We've got one up in Canada in May, and and we'll see what else uh, comes into play. That's great. That's really, really great. But uh, earlier you mentioned uh, a project called In the Dark. Is that your next thing you're working on? That is the next project. I've already got the script written. And and like I said earlier, I've been the hell and back with that project. Um, Very close a few years ago. It's a bigger budget film. Uh, It takes place on a small island in Michigan, which, you know, I based it off the island I lived on when I was a kid. Um, and essentially what happens is, uh, 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 this island gets overrun by zombie vampire creatures. Um, the, something totally different. Um, they're, they're more so vampires, but they're, they're dead. I mean, they're not, you know, most like twilight, you know, they're, they're so romanticized and handsome or the girls are attractive or whatever. Um, you know, with this film, the, the vampires are, they're like zombies. They're just, they're rotting, they're dead. They're, they're, they're like crack addict vampires where they're the need to feed They're, they're in a frenzy. Um, and then ultimately what happens is there's a handful of people left alive. They've got guns are blowing the crap out of these things and they're trying to escape off the island. Um, but the, you know, it's the same type of thing. I mean, there, there's, it's very story driven, strong characters. There's a whole underlying theme that connects not only the antagonist, uh, not only the, the protagonist, but also it connects them with the antagonist. So I have that fine line again between the heroes and the villains. That sounds really fun. It sounds it, like it's it, going to be a lot of fun to work on. It is. It's going to be a cool movie. I mean, it's going to be just a, you know, a good old fashioned, you know, action horror film, a popcorn type movie. But then but it does have the meat and potatoes to it, too, with with the themes, the imagery that I'm going to have in there that 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 all apply to the, you know, to that one underlying theme in the whole film. Yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, it you know, we, we've talked about uh, being character driven and story driven, but at the same time, just plain fun is great too. And that, that sounds like it's going to have everything. Absolutely. So I, th- I think that's awesome. Thank but, you. But the last thing I wanted to ask you and to kind of bring it back to the whole social media thing, how can people uh, find you on uh, like Facebook, Twitter? Uh, like what, what all social media uh, mediums do you use? 
Absolutely, yeah, and uh, yeah. Thank you for asking me that, and I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll tell everyone where they can you know uh, check out Infliction and and you know how they can get in touch with us. Um, <clears throat> our website is inflictiontapes.com. Uh, like I said earlier, we've got about twelve Twitter accounts, but our primary Twitter account is at Infliction Tapes. Um, our Facebook is, you know, same thing. We're keeping it consistent. It's Facebook Infliction Tapes. Um, if they want to purchase the film, it's on Walmart.com, iTunes, Amazon, Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. It's in Fye stores. Uh, Family Video, uh, Columbia House has it. Part of their DVD club. Uh, <clears throat> to rent it, you can uh, uh, Amazon Prime, Google Play. Uh, Cinema Now, uh, Voodoo. Um, it's not out on uh, Netflix yet because uh, you know the distributor wants to try and drive as many DVD sales and DVD rentals as possible before it goes to Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're asking people, you know, if they can go to Netflix and queue, put it in their queue. The more people that do that, it'll ultimately, you know, help us, you know, show the demand for the film, you know, when the time comes for us to cut a deal with them. Yeah, that that's that's the way to do it. But uh, Jack, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a blast. Uh, oh, you know, getting to meet someone new, uh, talking film is—you can't get any better than that. Yeah, Dirk, thank you so much for having me on, man. I probably could have stayed on for another hour talking about films. You know. Oh, same here. I I do not get tired of talking film or anything film related with people. Sure. So, thank you again. It's it's been great. Thanks, Derek. Have a great night, and thanks for having me on. And that about does it for this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I would once again like to thank Mr. Jack Thomas Smith for coming on for that wonderful conversation about film and his film, Infliction. Next week, I will be welcoming WEAR Channel 3 weatherman and fellow podcaster Christian Garman, so you'll definitely want to tune in for that episode. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp, like us on Facebook at The Derek Diamond Experience, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that'll do it. See you guys next week on Monday, October 6th. <laughs>